0: In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation, and as always it's great to be with all of you at the start of this new day. So, as always, we'd like to start off our conversation by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary has many wonderful titles. Mary is the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. So let's turn to Mary and beg Mary to help us. Of course Mary when we pray the Hail Holy Queen at the end of the rosary we invoke Mary as our life our sweetness and our hope. So let's invite Mary to be with us to walk with us to Talk with us to encourage us as we strive to grow more and more in holiness all the days of our life, and pray the prayer that she loves most, and that prayer is the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's turn to our spiritual director. Spiritual director is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit also has many wonderful titles. We call out to the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. We call out to the Holy Spirit as the gift of gifts. Call out the Holy Spirit as the sweet guest of our souls. Holy Spirit is also known as the interior master or teacher. Holy Spirit is our, our counselor. Holy Spirit is also our consoler. Holy Spirit is also our sanctifier. In our pursuit of holiness, Holy Spirit is the one that helps us to become the saint that God wants us to become. So let's turn to the Holy Spirit and beg for special graces. Beg the Holy Spirit to help us to become the saint that God wants us to be. And that prayer is the classical prayer to the Holy Spirit. So, together... Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your Spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in His consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen Holy Guadalupe pray for us St. Joseph, pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. St. Raphael, pray for us. St. John of the Cross, pray for us. St. Teresa of Avila, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Philip Mary, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. How true it is, my friends, the family that prays together stays together. And a world at prayer is a world at peace. So, to encourage all of you, Um, I'll place you on the altar in the greatest of all prayers. And that prayer is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. That's right, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. It is a prayer par excellence. So I can place you on the altar and offer these following intentions. First, uh, for our sanctification by means of being open to the workings of the Holy Spirit. That we would be open to the workings of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps this can be our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come, to the heart of Mary. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. Now, my next intention will be: I'd like to pray for our families. for families, for the conversion of our family members, for the sanctification of our family members, and for the salvation of our family members. Remember the words of Christ. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world And loses his soul. Primary purpose in our life is the salvation of our mortal soul. So I'd like to pray that our family members in this season of Advent leading up to Christmas would open their hearts to God. My last intention will be I'd like to pray in a special way for those who will be dying. Those who will be dying today. That they would open up their hearts to God's infinite love. trusting in his mercy. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. So these will be our intentions as we draw closer and closer to Christmas, which is the birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So today we can talk about the three Johns, and most specifically the saint that we celebrate today. Recently, we've been cel- we were celebrating Saint. Juan Diego. The Gospel today presents Saint John the Baptist. And today we say we celebrate Saint John of the Cross. The tale of three three Saint John's, you might call it. But before moving on to these three saints, you know, focus a lot upon Saint John of the Cross, whose feast day it is today. Once again, I'd like to to, um, offer some brief catechesis. So, I'd like to offer this uh, catechetical explanation. All of us um, are probably aware that in the United States we're going through a Eucharistic revival. We're going through a Eucharistic revival these three years. In which the bishops of the United States want us to do all we possibly can to reinvigorate, to revitalize the knowledge and love of the source and summit of our lives and that is the mystery of the Most Holy Eucharist statistics show that even among even among Catholics Even practicing Catholics, there is a, there is a confusion as to what the Eucharist is. So I'd like to just specify that right now, then we'll move into talking about these, these saints that we celebrate today. Specifically, St. John of the Cross. So, the source and summit of our Christian Catholic life is the, is the Eucharist, as mentioned by the document Vatican II, Sacrosanta Concilium. Sacrosanta Concilium. Now, in the Mass, When the priest, the ordained priest, takes the bread, he takes the wine, and he pronounces the words of consecration, which were the words, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, expressed at the Last Supper, the Last Supper, which was the first Mass, he said, take and eat this is my body. And he said, take and drink this is my blood. And he said, do this in memory of me. With those words... Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ instituted the great and sublime sacrament of the Most Holy Eucharist. I'd like to repeat that. When our Lord took, at the Last Supper, took the bread and took the wine, and He blessed the bread and wine and said those words, take and eat This is my body. Take and drink. This is my blood. The bread and the wine were transformed into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The technical theological word that is given to us, thanks, thanks be to Thomas Aquinas, is the word is transubstantiation. The Protestants believe that this is a symbolic representation. It's a symbol. There's different words for it, consubstantiation, transignification, and others. Even some Catholics, not well educated, are not clear on this. How often I hear, How often I hear people say, I'm gonna go up and get the bread. I'm gonna go up and get the wine. You've probably heard that too. It's a sign of a lack of understanding the real presence. So once you have the double consecration, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is truly, substantially present and the consecrated host. And after giving out Holy Communion, that's the proper word, Holy Communion, then the remaining hosts in the ciborium is a technical word, the ciborium, are placed in the tabernacle for two reasons so that people can come and visit our Lord, thank the Lord, worship the Lord, praise the Lord. And that priests or Eucharistic ministers can go and take the consecrated hosts and bring them to the sick in their homes. That's the double purpose of having the hosts in the tabernacle solemn Eucharistic adoration is done in such a way that the host in the luna is taken out of the tabernacle inserted in the monstrance and usually there's candles like candelabra and we come to worship the Lord in a solemn way in the monstrance and thrown on the altar. So I thought that it's opportune that I say that because still there is a lot of lot of ignorance as to what what the Eucharist is, and people that go up and say, "I'm going to go go up and get the bread," I'm going to go up and get the wine, is a sign of ignorance. So part of our our talks and perseverances is, is is educational, catechetical. So let's, um, there are three saints that we're mentioning today. St. Juan Diego, thanks to him we have our Lady Guadalupe. The Gospel mentions St. John the Baptist as a key figure in preparation for, for Christmas as well as a Lenten figure. Then we we celebrate today the person, the great saint, his name is St. John of the Cross. We'll start by talking about St. John of the Cross. St. John of the Cross, he was born in Spain right around the time of the Protestant Reformation. He was born in 1541, June 24th. And he died today, December 14th, 1591. In the church expresses it this way. The death of the saint is his birthday into heaven. He was canonized in the year 1726. He's a patron of priests, but also patron of spiritual directors. So a little bit of background of this great saint. Born in Spain... His father died when he was very young and he was brought up in, in great poverty. Great poverty. He was able to work as a male nurse and then he was formed And educated by the, by the Jesuits. The Jesuits were just in their early stages. Ignatius actually died in 1556 when John was about 15 years of age. So the Jesuits were just being formed. So he had some formation in Ignatian spirituality. He was thinking of becoming a Carthusian monk, but that changed. He was ordained a priest when he was 25 years of age. And he entered into the, into the, into the Carmelite order. He entered into the Carmelite order. There are many things that can be said about this great saint. But the first 10 years of his life as a priest it was more or less more or less calmness. But what happened in a parallel way another religious her name was Teresa of Avila. Teresa of Avila who was a carmelite nun a little bit older than John of the Cross. She recognized that the women's Carmelite Order had to be reformed. It had to be reformed. It had become, so to speak, decadent, decadent. The nuns we're not praying that much. There was little silence. A lot of visitors. A lot of cheese cheesemays. Long vacations. Very little penance. In a certain sense, kind of living like women of leisure. That's the That's the style of life that had become part and parcel of the female Carmelite religious nuns. Teresa of Avila did not arrive at a deep conversion right away. But God led her to a keen awareness of her nothingness and her dependence upon God, and God motivated Teresa of Avila to be instrumental in the reformation of the Carmelite order. And she suffered very much as a result of this. She decided to to leave her convent and to set up convents all over Spain with just about ten nuns rather than having a huge number of nuns, just a relatively small number of nuns in each convent. And Teresa of named her convents in honor of San Jose. In Toledo, in Madrid, in Salamanca, in Valencia, these important cities. And the success was great, but at the same time, the suffering was great too. So John the Cross met Teresa of Avila. So what Teresa of Avila did to the female Carmelites, John the Cross was Motivated to do for the male branch of the Carmelites. That's right. Now as you can imagine, when you're going to be rocking the boat of security a false sense of security and complacency, there's always going to be resistance. So, as Teresa of Avila was ostracized and suffered because of her reformation measures, the same thing happened with John the Cross. He was persecuted. He was ostracized. And what happened to him was that one of the... one, one night he was taken and he was kidnapped. He was kidnapped and placed in one of the Carmelite, male Carmelite monasteries in what was like a closet. He could barely eat. They scourged him. He couldn't celebrate Mass. He lost a lot of weight. He couldn't bathe. He suffered greatly. Incredible sufferings he underwent. But after, after about nine months, eight, nine months, On August 15th, which happens to be the feast day of the Assumption of Mary, St. John of the Cross was able to escape. He climbed over the walls of the monastery. He was a very small man. And he fled for one of the Carmelite convents of Teresa of Avila. So he escaped. he escaped. Now once he escapes, he's eventually going to be elected to be a superior of one of the monasteries. It's just kind of like a spiritual, intellectual profile of John of the Cross even though he's uh, he's being persecuted as such. First and foremost, John of the Cross was a man of very, very deep prayer. We'll talk about that. A man of very, very deep, intense prayer, as was St. Teresa of Avila. Very deep prayer. But also St. John the Cross was a man gifted with a, with a very keen and penetrating intellect. Even before he was a teacher. And with that, John the Cross was also gifted with the ability, with the ability to to write well, to to write mystical poetry, and other great works. That's right. He became a great, great writer. And, excuse me, he's eventually going to become a doctor of the church. When we say a doctor, it doesn't mean a physical physician, but a doctor of the church, like Francis de Sales and Teresa of Avila and Catherine of Siena, Augustine, a doctor of the church, is known for his holiness as well as his great learning. His holiness as well as his great learning. Such that he's also proclaimed to be the mystical doctor of the church, and he is the patron saint of spiritual directors. The mystical doctor of the church and the patron saint of spiritual directors. So what i like to do with the help of God's grace, is uh, I'd like to give you a a brief summary of the writings of Saint John of the Cross. Then, one of the greatest modern commentaries of Saint John of the Cross presenting to you what is called Fire Within, which is written by St. Thomas Dubay and it's a biblical interpretation of the writings of St. John of the Cross and St. Teresa of Avila by Ignatius Press. That's called Fire Within. So let's go through the corpus So the literary accomplishments of St. John of the Cross. Okay, here we have them. I'll try to just give you a succinct summary of them. Kind of whet your appetite so that eventually, eventually you you'll be exposed to the works of John the Cross and even start to read them. And I encourage you that you read these works patiently with the help perhaps of a spiritual director. With the help of a spiritual director. So these are the three principal works of St. John of the Cross. Spiritual Canticle. Maybe Sophie can even write these down. Spiritual Canticle. Next would be the Ascent to Mount Carmel. And the third would be the dark night of the soul okay so Sophie spiritual canticle ascent ascent to Mont Carmel and then finally the dark night of the soul. So let's take the spiritual uh, summary, just a brief summary, of the spiritual canticle. The spiritual canticle is a wonderful commentary on the love story in the Bible. So the third one, Carmen, would be The Dark Night of the Soul. There you have it. Spiritual Canticle of Santa Monica, The Dark Night of the Soul. You got it. Good. So the Spiritual Canticle is a commentary on the love story of the Bible. It's called The Song of Songs in the Old Testament. And what uh, John of the Cross is doing is commenting on the Song of Songs, presenting that our soul is called to fall in love with God. That's basically the essence of it. Our soul is called to fall in love with God as Thomas de Baywood said, head over heels. We're called to fall in love with God. And to put into practice, try to put into practice the greatest of all the commandments. That is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. To love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Than to love our neighbors ourselves. So that's the spiritual canticle of Saint John of the Cross. The ascent of Mount Carmel is this. Saint John of the Cross. St. John of the Cross presents our spiritual life using the analogy of climbing, climbing a high mountain. If you've ever done mountain climbing, climbing, and I've done it not too often, but I've done some mountain climbing, it's not that easy. It's not that easy at all. You have to be rugged, you have to be trained, you have to have good footing, you have to have good boots, you have to be travel light, you have to travel a certain time, you have to persevere. There's a lot that goes into climbing a high mountain. What St. John the Cross is really saying is this. We're all called to become saints. That's right. We're all called to become saints. But to arrive at sanctity of life, it depends principally on the grace of God, but also our collaboration, that we have to do our part. the prevenient grace of god is fundamental but also we have to we have to do our own part so we have to do our own part in striving to climb the mountain of holiness so there we have the first two works the spiritual canticle, the ascent of Mount Carmel. And the the third spiritual classic of St. John the Cross is what is known as the dark night of the soul. The dark night of the soul. In this, St. John of the Cross, known as the mystical doctor of the church, the patron saint of spiritual directors, Presents the spiritual life and its process in growth in three different stages. We're talking about the dark night of the soul now, the three different stages of the spiritual life. Teresa Vavilop uses another image, it's called the interior castle. You could even read the darkness of the soul and the interior castle side by side and see the, um, see the connection of the two. The end point is growing in our spiritual life so that we have union with God. That's the That's the purpose and the end of these classics. Arriving at union with, union with God in this life, but also union with God in heaven. And experiencing in heaven what is called the beatific vision. Seeing God face to face. Not through veils or faith, but seeing and contemplating God face to face. That's the goal of our lives. So these are the three stages that St. John the Cross presents in our mystical journey. In our climbing Mount Carmel. Now we're talking about the dark night of the soul. The three stages can be summarized in the following. I'll even, I'll even write them down for you because it's very important in our spiritual life. First stage is called the purgative way. Okay, if you're taking notes or Carmen or Sophia is writing down this, So the first stage is called the purgative way. The first stage is called the purgative way, okay? The next stage is called the illuminative way. And the third stage is called the, I'll write it down for you, the unitive way. So there you have it. The purgative way, the illuminative way, and the unitive way. These are the three different stages that we go through in what is called the the spiritual classic of St. John of the Cross is called the Dark Night of the Soul. Okay, the Dark Night of the Soul and this is the great St. John of the Cross. So here we have it. Purgative way, Illuminative way, Unitive way in the dark night of the soul. There you have it. Sophie's got it there. Purgative way, illuminative way, and unitive way. Great, you've got it. So I don't wanna, I don't wanna presume to be, to give you a mystical course on this one of the greatest spiritual classics of mystical theology. But I'll say say maybe 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 a word. Say maybe a word on each of those stages. Say say a word a a word on each of these stages to whet your appetite anyway. So let's take the the purgative, illuminative, and unitive way. Purgative way, you can see in that word already, you can see the word uh, purgatory, okay? It it doesn't mean purgatory yet. (laughs) But the purgative way means that because of original sin and because of personal sin, So because of original sin and concupiscence and because of personal sin then we have to go through a process we have to go through a process of purgation of being purified. And I'll give you an image that John the Cross uses. I've used it before in past talks but it's worth Repeating. We're talking about the purgative way. John of the Cross speaks about uh, a a piece of of iron, in in a rusty piece of iron. He speaks about. If you take that rusty piece of iron and you put it in a fire. What's going to happen? It's going to take a while, but that intense fire is eventually going to burn away the rust. Such that that piece of iron is going to become almost one with the fire. That's the image that St. John of the Cross gives to us. So, the fire of the Holy Spirit has to burn away all that is not pleasing to God. This comes about by deeper and deeper prayer, but also by penance. called the ascetical life. The ascetical life, ascetic means exercise. We're exercising the virtues. Then after we've gone through a process of purgation, we arrive at the second stage, which is the illuminative way. The Illuminate Way is related to light. Once God, through the fire of the Holy Spirit, is is burning away all of our bad tendencies, our sinful tendencies, then the illuminative Way means that God is going to be sending us a lot of lights. A lot of lights especially in our intellect. Faith is an intellectual virtue, which we have this knowledge of God from within. We believe in God even though we don't see Him physically. Faith is believing without seeing, but there's the inner conviction that God is real to us. And then, the last stage is the, it's called the Unitive Way. The Unitive Way. It is the union between God and the soul. John the Cross will, will speak about going through what is called the dark night of the soul, which seems almost as if God is absent to us. In the diary of St. Faustina, she actually mentions how she went through this dark night of the soul when she was in the convent there in Poland. The painful experience in which it seems as if God is distant even though God is very close to you. John the Cross will go on to say, Seek, do not seek the consolations of God, but seek the God of consolations. That's a classical phrase of St. John the Cross. Do not seek the consolations of God, but the God of consolations. And then this culminates purgative, illuminative, unitive way in what is called the mystical marriage. The mystical marriage between the soul and God. The mystical marriage between the soul and God. So that classic it's it's called it's called the Dark Night of the Soul. And Nessa's place in Spanish Oscura Noche del Alma, if you read in Spanish. And eventually eventually, hopefully all of us will be exposed to St. John the Cross. In another modern spiritual classic is written by Thomas Dubé and if you really do like to read good spiritual works Thomas Dubé who passed away about 10 years ago is a great writer so Sophie and Carmen might might write down Fire Within Father Thomas Dubay, D. U. B. A. Y. Fire Within, which is a spiritual, biblical treatise of the writings of John the Cross as well as Saint Teresa of Avila. So, in the short time that I've had with you, I think I've given you a pretty good summary of the, the corpus or the major. Literary masterpieces of Saint John of the Cross. So I'd like to give all of you, invite all of you to share our, our perseverance conversation with your friends. And I, for my part, I'd like to give you my priestly blessing, as always. And let's pray for each other that we'll all grow in holiness in our prayer life, and our love for God. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John of the Cross, pray for us.